صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنرز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 اي ام اند وذ روبرت مارتن ناصر مشني اند يوسف احمد الريماوي Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, Nasser. Oh, Yusuf, how are you today? We are back. We are back. We have to apologize to our listeners because, uh, unfortunately, with Ramadan, we have struggled to coordinate times and to wake yes. up and eat and etc. Our fasting I, has got the better of us. Can I blame it on you? Yeah. No, maybe. It's all, it's all Robert's bigger. fault. Let's blame Robert. Yeah, but Robert is not here. so let's <laughs> And he's not even home. fasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but somehow he managed to convince us not to go. Yeah. So uh, we're back today. Uh, we have uh, really uh, two distinguished uh, guests, one from Melbourne, Bruce uh, Noblock from BDS Australia. And Bruce is going to talk to us about BDS Australia's activities and what they've been up to. Also, uh, we're lucky to have spoken with Mr. Nizar Asartawi, one of the most renowned translators who contributed to translating uh, a book. Uh, well, a book po- that's very personal to you, but also hundreds of other books and poems. Hundreds of other we books. Won't, we won't let the secret out of the bag just yet, so <laughs> uh, stay tuned to hear about that, that special secret. Yeah, the book and is titled Palestine, and it's a collection of poetry and, uh, or poems from different languages. And it was a real honor to speak to him. Now, listeners, don't forget, on the 16th of June, so a couple of Saturdays away, we'll be going live for Radiothon. And we'll need your support to call in from um, 9.30 on Saturday, the 16th of June, to pledge your money, your hard-earned dollars, to keep us on the air. Um, We're desperate to stay on, but we'll need your cash financial support. So stay tuned. And if I can also give a mention to my Arabic program, if you want to support the Palestinian program in Arabic language, that's Monday, day after tomorrow, 10 p.m. Give us a call and show us your support. So without further delay, Bruce Noblock from BDS Australia. Bruce, uh, thanks for being uh, with us uh, today. Thank you both for uh, having me and BDS Australia. Bruce, perhaps before we uh, get into some questions about activities and stuff, can you tell us a little bit about BDS Australia? When was it formed? What core activities? What are you doing? BDS Australia was uh, formed about two years ago, and it's a coalition of organisations and individuals who uh, were already doing boycott, divestment and sanctions work to put pressure on the Israeli state and the corporations that make money from the occupation and uh, in some ways we're reactive. So, for example, when uh, Neta Barzilai uh, won Eurovision last year and we learned that Eurovision was to be hosted in uh, Israel, then internationally uh, and in Australia, obviously we moved to encourage performers, uh, encourage listeners, encourage uh, broadcasters, including SBS, to uh, not participate. But as well, uh, for example, uh, about 18 months ago, we successfully persuaded the Royal Flying Doctors Service not to deal with the Israeli uh, arms manufacturer Elbit, 
um, which was quite an extraordinary victory for us. Yes. Uh, obviously, they weren't selling they weren't selling arms to the Royal Flying Doctor Service, but they were selling technology, and we we encouraged the uh, the Royal Flying Doctor Service to do the right thing, since we we knew they were an ethical organisation, and to not tarnish their reputation by dealing with government. Bruce, what we saw uh, before the election was, you know, an unrivaled or unparalleled campaign by the Murdoch people to attack the Greens on BDS. They attacked Melissa Park on BDS. Um, and, and the charge, you know, a very serious charge, is anti-Semitism. Tell us about wh- how, why, why are you picking on the only Jewish state in the world? <laughs> well, of course, BDS has got nothing to do with religion. Uh, the, the state of Israel is not supported by all Jewish people. Um, uh, some Orthodox Jews uh, find the state of Israel abhorrent. I mean, the very idea of it. They say that the, the Torah does not call for a physical state. Rather, it's an idea. And of course, many uh, uh, pro-human rights Jews, uh, with increasing numbers, especially in the United States, uh, see the actions of the State of Israel as unacceptable. Uh, and uh, the, the claim of anti-Semitism falls apart when you consider how many Jewish people are um, opposed to the, to the actions um, and even the constitutional nature of the State of Israel, which unfortunately says that uh, Jewish people are full-class citizens and the indigenous people, the Palestinians, are not. Um, historically in Palestine, as, as some of your listeners will know, Jewish people and Christians and Muslims lived side by side in villages and towns and, and, and cities and, uh, you know, sort of a pretty model society in terms of uh, uh, everybody just getting on um, and, and religion really being a, 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 a private matter and a matter that was respected uh, between different groups, um, you know, even through the period of the Ottoman Empire. So, uh, you know, I've stood um, with Jewish people, including Zionists, uh, side by side against uh, actual anti-Semites, fascists, far-right people, Holocaust deniers, and I'll do that again. I think I'm comfortable in saying that all of the people I know uh, in BDS Australia will do the same. We're uh, at the core of BDS is is a famous anti-racism uh, and and that applies to everybody equally. The irony, Bruce, is that uh, the far-right movements around the world look at Israel as a role model when it comes to occupation and security measures, which is an irony to uh, the historic anti-Semitism, which is uh, basically huge in the far-right discourse. It certainly is, but I think, of course, the context is the rise in Islamophobia, and, uh, you know, um, the blowback from a couple of centuries of uh, Western colonialism and imperialism and, and the fact that we now have a world where it's, it's easier for everybody to travel and everybody can see how everybody else lives. And uh, at the same time, we have great disasters such as the Syrian disaster and the Libyan disaster, which, which really impels uh, people to, to travel for their own safety and of course the far right with their fantasies of racial dominance um, can't stand this sort of thing and unfortunately they've got far too many supporters in the mainstream right uh, I- including in Australia which is um, you know we need large anti-racism movements uh, of all sorts uh, as well as a growing movement in support of Palestinian 
equals human rights. The reality is those far right-wing um, fascists look to Israel as a model state of ethnic purity. Look, look what they're doing cleaning, cleaning their backyard. That, that's the model they're subscribing to. Well, yes, um, that, that might be the case. But it, it, at some level, too, we, we have to really look uh, at, at the, the injured, in, indigeneity of the Palestinian people and, and to really say to Australians in particular, just as uh, Britain and, and then other Europeans uh, colonised and then travelled to Australia for, for a better life... Um, and we did terrible things and in many ways continue to do uh, very, very unfair things to Indigenous people here. That's exactly what the Israelis are doing. I mean, it is a colonial settler state uh, and uh, the Indigenous people resist and will continue to resist. I, um, You know, the, the, the far right engage in all sorts of fantasies and, of course, worship uh, violence and, and power for the sake of it and domination. And, uh, of course... There are, there are a fairly small percentage of people who worship those things. Thankfully, most people understand uh, the importance of equal human rights and, and the dignity that all of us have and, and, and have to work to implement and support each other. And so, you know, so much of what we do is about building solidarity in Australia and, and uh, with other countries, with activists in other countries um, and with Palestinians everywhere. Rachel Jacobs was on Q&A on, uh, on Monday. And uh, we never, ever get unison on anything there, but we managed to get Tim Wilson and uh, uh, Mark Dreyfus in unison as if a conductor said, one, two, three, now. They came together in unison to say Israel is not an apartheid state. Yes, it, it, it was extraordinary. And um, I believe that um, the, the Q&A panellists know the questions in advance and have a little bit of time to prepare. So I, I'm going to assume that um, uh, despite Mark Dravis and Tim Wilson um, going hammer and tong about the so-called uh, retirees tax uh, rubbish that the, uh, the Liberals, including Wilson, went on about during the election, they had practised their line beforehand. So um, if you listen back to uh, the Q&A broadcast... Dreyfus really sets himself up and says, and, and I have to say, Israel is, and, and then Wilson chimes in with, not, and is uh, not an apartheid state. It really was extraordinary. And I think for people listening carefully, um, you know, something sort of smells when, when you get that type of uh, overactive denial. Well, and, and you know, um, uh, a little bit too much protest from those two, which hopefully indicates to some people that it's worth exploring this uh, claim a bit more. We've actually been encouraging uh, BDS Australia supporters to ask ABC Fact Check to fact check the claim that Israel is an, is an apartheid state. Um, there is plenty of legal scholarship um, drawing parallels uh, with the South African situation and, and looking at what um, international law says, um, and, you know, it's, it's pretty open and closed, uh, and we expect ABC Fact Check will we'll have a look at that and we'll get to see the published results. I mean, a lot of what we're doing uh, and the broader Palestinian movement is about encouraging people to look at this situation with clear eyes, to educate themselves and to see why it's important if they believe in equal human rights to um, take action for Palestinians, not just words. 
Uh, you know, the um, it's the famous line from Hamlet, you know, the lady doth protest too much, methinks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, I didn't get that, but I don't, you'll, you'll explain, explain it later. later. Yeah. Um, just very quickly, I'm going to read a statement, but then if you can tell us, um, Bruce, next action, but also how, how our listeners might join. This was sure. something that was posted on my Facebook and said, look, Israel is not an apartheid state. It's just a state that excludes a large group of people it actually rules over from political participation, the right to choose where they live and who they marry, the use of certain state infrastructure, etc. And that group is identified by its ethnic origin, but otherwise totally different. In fairness, our politicians, like those of the US, have a natural sympathy for colonial settler politicians in Palestine. How couldn't they? Anyway, so what, what, yeah, what, yeah. What's, what's next for BDS Australia? Well, um, we uh, want to step up our work around the uh, consumer boycott of HP, the, the large and uh, famous uh, IT company. You know, uh, many, many people have uh, HP laptops and, and uh, printer cartridges and uh, perhaps what many of those people don't know, and which we hope they will know, and to consider their sort of future purchasing choices, is that it's HP's hardware uh, and expertise that underpins the uh, Israeli uh, security state with those um, uh, incredible restriction on movement for Palestinians in the West Bank. Um, you know, perhaps uh, 600 barriers, checkpoints in the West Bank, and it's HP technology that's used to identify people. The Israeli Navy, in their uh, completely uh, illegal and disgraceful 11-plus-year blockade of Gaza, also use HP technology. So we'll be encouraging uh, people in Australia to stop buying HP products uh, and... um, you know, we think there's lots of scope for, for students to do this sort of work on campuses and to uh, ask retail stores to not stock HP products. And, you know, this is a long game that we're in, but uh, putting pressure on the companies that benefit from the occupation is absolutely critical. I think the South African example um, uh, from the last century proves that. As well, we want to uh, uh, build a campaign in Australia to put pressure on all the political parties to uh, stop military trade with uh, Israel. Israel's a major arms manufacturer and exporter, and uh, the uh, Australian Defence Force buy Israeli military products. And we we know that when you ask uh, ordinary people, um, you know, pretty much whoever they vote for, um, except perhaps the far right, if you ask them, if you explain the situation for Palestinians and you say to them, did you know that the uh, Australian Defence Force buys um, Israeli military products? They, they probably don't, but they'll be aghast. And when you say, do you think we should end that trade? Most people are going to say yes. So they're the two main things we'll be doing. But we'll continue our work to try and uh, dissuade Australian artists and sports people and professionals and academics from... Um, going to uh, Israel, we've got a long way to go. So we Mm. want to build a grassroots movement, and it's easy for people to get involved. Um, We've got a website, uh, we've got a Facebook page and a Twitter account. Um, People can email us. We bring people out from uh, other countries, and in fact, we're putting on 
um, a national conference in July next year. So there's a lot of activities going forward. We do need more support. Um, uh, we've got a long way to go, as I said, uh, to build our solidarity movement. And um, there's plenty of scope for, for people to get involved and, for that matter, to help drive. That's the spirit. Uh, we caught you uh, after a soccer match. Regardless of the score, we wish you all the best in your future uh, matches. Thank you, Bruce Noblock from BDS Australia, for being with us uh, today. Thanks, Yusuf. Thanks, Nasser. Uh, we're just at half time now. Uh, I'll, I'll be able to rush back on the field and play even better after talking to you. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Good on you, mate. Thank you. Bye. You're listening to 3CR 855 on the AM dial, and be sure to download the podcast at 3cr.org.au. We've got a great honour that we're joined by Mr. Nazar Asertawi, who's a fantastic Palestinian poet and author. And one of the things about diaspora, about refugee, about ethnic cleansing is culture and the preservation of that culture. And also, not just the preservation, but also the articulation and the sharing of it, uh, the denial of which uh, further uh, further creates further pain in diaspora for for. Uh, people who've been ethnically cleansed. So we're, we're really um, honoured to be joined by Mr. Nizar, who's going to share with us his life's work. From Jordan, Mr. Nizar Assartawi, a Palestinian translator and author who translated and contributed to more than 25 books and also a poet. So, uh, But also, Yusuf, we should say he's, he's translated hundreds of poems. Fantastic. English to Arabic, Arabic to English, and he's authored three books himself. So, so it's a, such an honor to uh, speak with uh, Mr. Nizar. Mr. Nizar, uh, thanks for being with us on the show. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm so happy to be with you today and uh, with this Australian audience too. Um, Mr. Nizar, if we start by talking about your profile in translation and... Um, you uh, contributed and you translated hundreds of poems and also uh, literary materials from Arabic to English and vice versa. Tell us about uh, ab- about you about that and uh, how you came to be involved in translation. Uh, my pleasure, of course. Uh, a few years ago, I came back to Jordan. I was uh, in Saudi Arabia, and I came back. Before that, I was. I wrote poetry, and uh, I stopped for a long time. So my friends said, where are you? Where are your poems? And then I wanted to write poetry, and suddenly I I saw myself reading more of English poetry, which I was familiar with. So I took the translation. I wanted to introduce uh, European and American poets to the the Arab world, and that's how it started. And then I moved to translating Arabic poetry to English. And that's the beginning, let's say. Hmm. So uh, recently there has been a book called Palestine, which is a collection of Palestinian poems that you contributed to in terms of translation. Uh, tell us about uh, about this particular book. Uh, sure. It's actually a, an anthology of poems about Palestine. And uh, this is how uh, it came to be. In October 2017, my friend William S. Peters Sr., who is an African-American from the United States, came and to visit 
And then he went to Palestine where he stayed for seven days. When he came back, the idea started in his mind that he wanted to write or to, sorry, to uh, prepare an anthology about Palestine. So he sent invitations to poets all over the world and they responded. And uh, we, the, the uh, collection or the anthology was started. We had about 77 poems from, I think, 35 countries. And many Palestinians participated uh, also. They sent their poems. But people from all over the world, imagine, from the States, even from Mexico, from Trinidad, from the Philippines, from England, Greece, Kosovo, you name it. Fantastic. So many countries. So, yeah, yes. so the and translation we, is not only from Arabic to English, it's from different languages into English. That's true. Actually, those who wrote in English sent their poems in English. Those who wrote in a different language had to be translated. For example, most Palestinian writers were translated by me, poets, I mean, Fantastic. were translated by myself. Maybe, sh shall we reveal the secret that my father is one of the Palestinian poets who you self-translated the poetry of? Well, he's not just your father. He is one of my closest friends. <laughs> but more importantly, he is, uh, he is such a great poet. He, this is a person who dedicated all his life to Palestine. Uh, this man has a Ph.D., but he's very modest about that. But he, ha he, I think, produced almost 15 or more than 15 collections of poetry. He's also a writer, a researcher, and so, but also he is an activist who has dedicated his life to the defense of Palestine. And uh, you know more about him than, <laughs> than, than I do, but I don't think so. Yes. Uh, Mr. Nizar, uh, from a from a holistic point of view in general, what is the importance, what is the value of translating particularly Palestinian literature into English and other foreign languages? I would say more than one value. Palestinians are part of this world. Their culture is part of the world culture. So the world needs to know about them. Unfortunately, there are because they speak Arabic and because they write in Arabic, it's, it's not easy to translate because we, there are not so many good translators to translate. Yes. Uh, at the same time, they have an issue the whole world knows about Palestinian problems. There are so many Palestinian poets and writers and the world knows, needs to know about them. The, the world knows Mahmoud Darwish, for example. Maybe they know Samih al-Qasim. But other than these two, how many are known? Very, very few. Mm. So we need to know, or the world needs to know about these points. And unfortunately, very little has been translated into English or even other languages for that matter. Um, and I think it's important. 
with with yes, with with, yes. with work uh, like yourself and uh, other translators hopefully one day uh, the world will hear more about other palestinian uh, literary icons um do you have a, a poem uh, you want to share with us uh, a, a, a translated into english poem that you could recite uh, for us well can i please beg to choose uh, dr ahmed Uh, Rimawi. Please. He is one of my favorites. Thank you. And he wrote he wrote a special poem about uh, the, the title is Detainee. Detainee is actually a prisoner, but we don't call them prisoners. We don't call Palestinians prisoners. There are thousands and thousands yes, of, of uh, Palestinians who are in Israeli prisons and we call them detainees. Because they are not criminals. They are activists who were fighting to get their rights and their land. Let me read this poem about detainee. When lightning flares up in the summer and the calm of calmness sings, when the squeaking of the fence sends of poetry, when thunder goes on, When thunder goes on a stay and strike at night, and the prisons of prisons revolt, when the veil of silence is secretly unbuttoned, when homes smile at promises, when night is squeezed by the blade of whiteness, when the water of hope brings the basins back together, when the gate of return is so delighted with the winking of the lamb. When the flock of resistance perches on the thresholds of insurrection, when detente grows leaves, when the heart of presence becomes green, then, then the detainee will bring us a bouquet of victory, a bundle of light. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was beautiful translation. I know the original text. I love the text and I really appreciate oh, without without really exaggeration. I really appreciate the great work you have done. La- our last question, Mr. Nizar, is a message from you as a Palestinian to the Australian listeners who are listening to you now. Well, first, let me greet Australian people. I want to know more about Australians. I've read about their history and, uh, well, maybe one day I'll come to Australia. But let me send a message that consists of two parts. The first part is about Israel. I want to tell them that Israel is the only state in the world where apartheid is not only practiced, but is officially constitutionalized through the recent national bill which consecrates Israel as the national home of the Jewish people, affirming that the realization of the right to national self-determination is unique to Israel, unique to the Jewish people in Israel. That's, that's the first one. This is an outlandish statement, really, becoming an official provision in Israeli constitution. It simply implies that Palestinians have no land, no place, and no right within the country 
historically known as Palestine, and now it's being converted into Israel. That's the first part. The second part is related to Palestinians. It's about Palestinians. I'd like Australian people to know that Palestinians are a well-educated people. They deserve to regain their native land, to have their own free, independent state, and like all nations on earth, to live in peace. And it is on the basis of these justifiable demands that uh, we are uh, writing poetry, translating poetry, and telling the world about it. Fantastic. Thank you so very much. Uh, it's been a real honor speaking with you, uh, Mr. Nizar Asartawi, a Palestinian translator and author from Jordan. Thank you very much for joining us, and we will be looking forward to talking to you in future with future uh, publications. Thank you very much. Thanks to Radio 3CR. It's been an honor for me to be with you today. And that's all we've got time for. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to speaking to you again next Saturday. Until then, free Palestine. Anna Minhunak, voice of the Palestinian diaspora, bringing news, views, and stories about the Palestinian refugees in Australia and around the world in Arabic language. The show, which means in English, I am from there, also highlights the beauty and richness of the Palestinian and Arab culture. Tune in for Anna Minhunak every Monday, 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. on Radio 3CR, 855 a.m.